is good, defenders, and welcome to episode 210, I think, of the most LAFC podcast on earth, and we've got a fun announcement for everybody, but before we do that, you know my voice, I am the scarf, J.R. Liebert, and I am recording in beautiful Lawndale, California on Zoom with my partner in pod just about 35 or so miles away, but with the magic of the internet, he's right here with me. You know him as the Gypsy Prince himself, one Christian, Philly, Philemon. Oh, I'm all about fun stuff, especially after the Saturday that we just had. But uh, we're going to talk about your Saturday. You clearly had some fun. I uh, did. What's up, Defenders? Hope your morning, evening, or afternoon has been productive. We're about to do something that we haven't done in a while, thankfully. Therapy is in session. And before <laughs> we begin, Scarf, let me ask you a question. Sir. What is the date of today's recording? August 21st. Got it. So yesterday's loss was on August the 20th. Am I right? Yes. Okay. yes. July 2nd. July 2nd is a day that is two days before the 4th of July, but July 2nd was the last time we suffered a loss. And that yeah. was at the hands of the Vancouver Whitecaps, one to nothing. I'm not talking about Club America. That doesn't count. If that's right. what you were going to correct me on. No, so, you're good. I'm with you. All right. So scarf. All right. Let's take a moment and, and humor me and follow me. Let's Ready. take a moment and close our eyes. And breathe a little before we start this pod. Like I said, Scarf, humor me. Take a deep breath and hold it in and wait for me. One, two, three, four, five. Now breathe out slowly, counting to five. Five, four, three, two, one. One more time. Deep breath. Breathe it out. Five, four, three, two, one. Last time. Breathe in. One. And breathe out. One, two, three, four, five. Thank you for humoring me, Scarf, and hopefully all the millions and millions took the time to do this. That as well. The point of this little exercise is to simply take a moment and relax, relax. Yes, we lost to a crap team. We're going to talk about it momentarily, but take a deep breath and remember where we are now versus where we were last season. Scarf, last season, did we make the playoffs? We did not. Okay. As of yesterday, are we going to the playoffs? We are. Okay. Yes, exactly. And with plenty of games left to go in the season, might I add, and we're going to talk about that later. Uh, Scarf, at any point last season, were we the best in the West? We were not. Okay. Are we now? We are. Okay. Last season, how about were we the best in MLS? I do not believe so. But are this season, are, are we? We are. Okay. Repeat after me. We are the best in the West and the best in MLS. We are the best in the West and the best in MLS. One more time, you and defenders. We are the best in the West and the best in MLS. We are the best in the West and the best in MLS. Boom. Good. Now let's get potting. Quick question. Yes. When can I open my eyes? Oh, sorry. <laughs> you all can open your eyes, and uh, hopefully if you were driving, your eyes weren't closed for too oh, long. Oh, dear God. Oh, oh we God. are. If I caused an accident, I'm sorry. I hope you're smart enough not to close your eyes for extended periods of time if you're on the highway. Well, Don't listen to everything I say. Not that you do anyway. Not that anybody should for the ma that matter, but uh, yeah. <laughs> be. Uh, <laughs> I guess I have to give the disclaimer. Make sure you don't have your eyes closed on the highway. Oh, dear God. Yeah, here's the big thing, Philly. We don't have a legal team to guide us through whether or not people had their eyes closed while we were doing this or not, in case we get in any trouble. But you know what, Philly? We're part of a bigger family now. This is a very exciting time here on Defenders of the Bank. We were told that it is officially official. Philly, I believe we can announce this to the millions. And millions. We are now proudly sponsored 
by Flex. That's right, Flex Power Tools, flexpowertools.com. We are sponsored by Flex, like a real fully-fledged sponsor, a big, huge, massive thank you to the Flex family for bringing us in. It has been an incredible ride. We've lots of emails and phone calls and Zoom meetings, or actually Microsoft Teams meetings, uh, all kinds of fun stuff. But a huge thank you to everybody over at the Flex family. Obviously, Joe and Vince and Katie and Brady, and of course, Taylor and Shane and everybody else who we have met through the Flex family. Want to give a quick shout out to Rigo as well. If you see Flex's booth set up on Christmas Tree Lane or at any of the events that they've done, it is Rigo behind on their on the ones and twos over there. So make sure you say hi to Rigo when you are there. Philly, I have to tell you, our buddy Chris Lafferty and I were hanging out last Tuesday with one Ryan Hollingshead. He is one of, and I say this all the time, <laughs> yeah, one of the do. nicest human beings I've ever met. Look, there were at the start of the event, there were about 20 people in line. People came and filled up the line. He was he was talking to people the whole time, but it didn't matter to him how many people were in line. Philly, he spent time, like actual time, not just, oh, hey, thanks for coming. Shake hands, take a picture and walk away. He spent time with everybody. There was a little baby in a stroller that he got down and just said hi to for a little bit because he could. He was incredible. There were lots of cool people that were there uh, that we got to meet as well. Fans, Some fans of Defenders, which was nice, and some people that we got to introduce to the gospel of the black and gold here on Defenders of the Bank. But <laughs> it, was, it was a really cool event down there on Lowe's. There's going to be more events happening as well through Flex. They're going to put together some player appearances, uh, met some really nice people there. Again, uh, a huge, huge thank you to the Flex family. We have all kinds of fun stuff planned with us and Flex. Uh, yeah, we finally have a legitimate sponsor. The same <laughs> sponsor on LAFC's jersey, by the way. That's pretty darn cool. We've, we're have we making money being podcasters, so technically you and I... Our professionals. <laughs> Who would have Look, ever we are, imagined we are that? Very, we're very happy with the with the the money that we are making from this. But here's what I will say: we are not going to be able to retire anytime soon. No, 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 no. We no. got to <laughs> keep burning the midnight oil and uh, make this happen. Yeah, yeah. So. No, we're, we're we're not designated players in the world of podcast sponsors. Oh, we but, we but, are we are much closer to Danny Trejo's contract than anything else. You know what? Is. Even if it's the league minimum, hey, here we go. And I do want to give a very big shout out, Scarf. Yes, to our very very first sponsor ever on Defenders of the Bank. It'll be the last time we get to say sponsored by these guys. And I just want to give a nod. Hopefully you can hear it on your end. One more time. Yep. But but uh, let rest in peace to. That's right. That's right. No more crickets. We are sponsored, baby. Let's go. It's it is a very humbling experience when somebody says they want to be a part of what you do and they want us to be a part of what they do. So again, a huge thank you. And again, here's the other cool thing. I just want to throw this out because I actually didn't know this up until about two weeks ago. So again, if you are interested in Flex Power Tools, first of all, shoot them a message on Instagram or on social media. Hit them up. Uh, Flex Power Tools is where you can find them. FlexPowerTools.com. I did not know that with every purchase before the end of this year, you actually get a lifetime warranty on everything that comes in the box, the tool, the battery, the everything. Huge. You get a lifetime warranty. So if it breaks or if you have an issue or if you need to switch it out for something because it isn't what, exactly what you needed, you get a lifetime warranty. 
I mean, the only company that I ever knew that did that, and the reason why I bought these tools like 10, 15 years ago was Craftsman, man. Sears and Craftsman had that thing to where it didn't matter. You just buy it and you had it for life. Well, Flex is doing the same thing, and it's a really exciting time uh, to be on board with them. I know a lot of people, look, we'll, we'll just put it, we'll put it out there like it is. A lot of people, when they saw Flex Power Tools was the sponsor of our kit, after YouTube, they hadn't heard of Flex. I was one of those people, had no idea who Flex was. Same. Let me tell you, these people care so much about our community and about being part of the community, not just the name on the front of the shirt, Flex. They want to be a part of the black and gold community. So uh, again, just a, a really cool moment for us that we uh, that they, 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 they like us. They really like us. <laughs> no doubt, yeah. Defenders of the Bank, sponsored by Flex Power Tools, has there a nice is. ring to it. That was that was good, man. That sounded that just rolled off the tongue for you. That was good. Yeah, I mean, eventually we're gonna have a, bu a bunch of reads, but not 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 yet. Working on that. We got some stuff going on. That's for sure. I want to say a big congratulations, even though they called me out on the last podcast. I love <laughs> you guys, and I, and I I knew it was happening, so it's okay. I love you guys. Uh, I want to say a big congratulations. I should say we want to say a big congratulations. To the pod father himself, Joseph, Zacher, and everybody involved over at Heart of LAFC. Obviously, Tony and Brendan and Araceli was on this last episode, too. Uh, episodes 250, 250, and now 251 is also out. That's the one where they call me out for Brian's song. And don't worry, it's coming. I just can't sing yet. So it'll happen. I promise. Uh, but episodes 250 and 251, Philly. I mean, look, we're at 210, right? Which is great. Um, but my goodness, uh, what what a what a, an accomplishment and what a job that they have done since absolutely. before us, since before us, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they 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 were the uh, the bell the the flag bearers, the bellwethers, the flag bearers. I guess that's the the way you would say. But bottom line is they're the ones who, who <laughs> blazed the trail for for all of us. I mean, they were several episodes into their podcast by the time we got started. I believe it was them and Somos LAFC. And if I watched and saw, and if my eyes didn't deceive me, it looks like Julio and Ray are up to something. I saw them wearing Somos LAFC podcast t-shirts, so we might see them return. So that'd be kind of cool. They were also OGs in the world of the pod fam, but... As of right now, only two LAFC podcasts to clear the 200 marks. Certainly several others have crossed the 100 th threshold. But, you know, we've got a really great pod fam going on. Yeah. That they they yeah. produce a lot of really good content. And look, I know we're probably not everybody's cup of tea or, or whatever <laughs> the case may be. I mean, what? our... Yeah, right. Our entire show is based on like a, like a morning radio show that you listen to in the car on your way to work. Like that's been the emphasis of us. If you wanted X's and O's, that wouldn't be us. If you wanted a lot of uh, player profiles or fan interviews, that isn't us. If you wanted uh, Spanish speakers, that obviously isn't us. But there's something for what? everybody in the pod fam. And of course, big shout out to Heart of LAFC for blazing the trails along with Somos LAFC. Yes. Uh, and, and also again, uh, we, we love our buddy, Jonathan. We hope your knee is coming along. Uh, let's, let's get back. I hung out with him so. on Friday. He, uh, he's on crutches, uh, but he's, he's, he's looking good. All right. Well, as long as he's looking good, that's, that's the important part. Philly, this was a fun weekend for me because on a whim Saturday morning at about five 30, I decided to leave Los Angeles proper and head up for the first time to San Jose PayPal park. San Jose, California. Look, 
for other than about 90, I would say maybe 105 minutes of my trip, I had a great time in San Jose. I, I definitely advise everybody to catch an LAFC San Jose match up at PayPal Park. It is a, and I mean this in, in a positive way, in a nice way, it is a quaint little stadium that is tucked in right next to the airport. It's about seven minutes away from a really fun area called San Pedro Square Market. Uh, lots of fun things to do outside of PayPal Park. And then they have this giant bar. And when I say giant bar, I mean this bar is massive. It must be at least 100 feet long. I didn't do any research on the bar because I didn't drink at the bar. But it is a massive bar in what would be, here's the way that I can describe it, in what would be our north end, like the the scoreboard and everything uh, is, is in that corner. Well, imagine having the scoreboard centered and the entire massive thing is a bar. It was really cool to see. They've got like a grassy area behind it. They sold a ton of standing room only tickets on in that, uh, in I guess what would be their north end, like that side of the stadium, not where their ultras are, but where the opposite side of the stadium is. And again, absolutely loved it. And Philly, what one thing that we know here on Defenders is that everybody at LAFC matches loves the wave. Well, I met, I met the inventor according to Wikipedia and according to everything I read and according to the the four or five minute long video it seems like they play of this man, Crazy George. Google Crazy George Henderson, the inventor of the wave. I met him and took a picture. We will put it up on our Instagram. One of those like iconic national treasures. Uh, and he happens to be a San Jose supporter. Um, the inventor of the wave, you say? Yes. Crazy. Yeah, I don't like him. Because I yeah. hate the wave. Absolutely yeah. hate the wave. Never was a fan of it. Uh, they always used to do it at Shea. Used to piss me off. I distinctly remember one time being at Yankee Stadium during a subway series between the Mets and the Yankees, and they started the wave there, and I could distinctly hear somebody within the bleachers yelling, save that ish for Shea, and I was so embarrassed because like that Yankee fan, I am not a fan of it. I mean, pretty cool to lay claim to the fact that you did create something that is a global phenomenon and a worldwide sensation, but I absolutely hate and despise the wave. Crazy George, you have to be crazy to have created something as nutty as the wave. And, and Philly, we talk a lot about uh, since 96 on this show, right? We talk about it with a couple different clubs. Well, look, San Jose Earthquakes have actually been a soccer club since 1974, and since day one, since 74, George has been there with his drum leading the chance, leading the charge for San Jose. And if any of you guys have any history on San Jose, you know that other than 2001 and 2003, the two years where they won their MLS Cup, they have been a relative dumpster fire in MLS. Even with the great Chris Wondolowski, who is now an interim assistant coach. I don't think I've ever heard that title before. Interim assistant coach. They were dog meat for a long time. And so to have Crazy George there, again, it was just, it was really cool. And, and I do have to say, as soon as the 90 minutes started, there's clear hatred, clear disdain for anybody wearing black and gold. But up until then, it was great. I don't know of anything that happened in terms of a negative event or negative uh, outcomes outside of the stadium. Obviously, that's been something that's been talked about on social media lately with some of our fans and some of our supporters. Uh, but I think everything went well on the outskirts of the stadium. I don't think there were any issues. Uh, their, their ultras had a really funny sign uh, on the back of their 
on the back of their their supporter section that I'll put up on the on the uh, Instagram as well. All right. No, I, I wish I would have been on that trip. I, I def- missed you, buddy. I really was hoping you would uh, you would come up. I missed. Yeah, you. I mean, even as as late as eleven a.m., I was looking at flights. I was thinking it was only a hundred and eighty dollar um, one way from Burbank to San Jose, and obviously with the airport being next to the stadium, it would have been convenient. I was thinking about surprising you and then taking the long trip back with you, but I kind of chickened out at the last moment, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I regret it. Certainly, as the game came on, I thought, darn it. Yet again, Panda was right, but that's neither here nor there. I'll I'll do. I got to go to San Jose in the future. That's got to be just kind of like going to a, a Carson match, just like on the schedule happening without even any second thoughts. Right, right. And uh, and I want to give a quick shout out, Philly, because okay, so this was kind of neat. I know you and I have already talked about this story, and then we will get right into all the fun stuff that we do on a Defenders of the Bank episode. But I'm standing there watching at one point. So I was there at <laughs> game kicked off at seven. My dumb butt pulls into the stadium at noon. Noon. <laughs> Why? Because you know you love tailgating. I I and I wish I would have tailgated, but I didn't. But I did try a really good barbecue spot right across the street from the stadium. That was good. But I got there at noon and I'm walking around the stadium, did a little walkthrough. I did a little thing on on Instagram, which a lot of our our uh, people that follow us saw. Uh, and I was talking to a couple of people that were there, talked to the parking guy, figured out that whole situation, talked to the the woman working one of the gates. She was really nice. She wound up being in my section, actually, at the uh, at the start of the match. And finally get in at 4 o'clock. There is nobody there. They open the gates at 4 o'clock for parking. They open 5 o'clock for the match. At 5 o'clock, I'm standing behind our what would be our goal to start, where Max was warming up. Maxime came out along with Paul and Gareth Bale. And that was it. You had Maxime, Gareth Bale, and Paul just walking around the pitch. Crazy. And and I'm just watching, and one of the photographers in his orange bib looks over at me and does one of those. I thought it was like in trouble. It was one of those like one finger come here kind of things. Like, hey, come here. Hey, come here. I was like, oh God, what did I do? Am I I know I'm I'm wearing black and gold, so I know I might be in trouble. And he comes over and he says, Hey. I just want to let you know, I love what you guys do. I'm a really big fan. And I go, wait, really? Like, I was shocked. I was absolutely surprised. He goes, yeah, my family lives here in San Jose. I live in Northern Nevada. And I, I hope I'm getting that right. It might be his family lives in Northern Nevada and he lives in San Jose. I don't know. But his name is Jeff. And uh, I wanted to I wanted to say uh, a big thank you and shout out to Jeff at instaimage.com, like Instagram, but instaimage.com. Jeff and uh, and Kathy run this one, run this great site. And and he was just super nice, man. So I wanted to give him a quick shout out on the pod. Uh, a big thank you to Dario for the ticket as well, who sits right behind us in Founders. Another um, beloved Dario. Yeah, it was just, you know, it was a really cool uh, 24 hours in San Jose because I left like the same at 12, at 12 o'clock today. It's Sunday still. Dear God, I was in San Jose nine hours ago. God bless you. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, gas has come down in price. So, like, you're lucky that eh. you rolled down when you did, because at least you didn't roll down when gas was closer to seven. That would have been you. You were better off flying at that point. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right, Philly. I hate driving, you know, by the way. I know you do. You re- I, I enjoy driving. You know I what else it. is flying, Philly, it. with our seamless segues here at Defenders of the Bank? The rumors are flying around LAFC and and Philly. A man who Vince LaRosa himself has gone on record as saying will be MLS's, I believe, most expensive transfer of all time at one point. Uh, Mamadou Fall, Philly, we got some rumors and, and looks like kind of concrete rumors on Mamadou. Yeah, these aren't just rumors that you hear from some 
strange character in some strange publication from some strange part of the world. No, they know what parts of the world that are strange, but more strange characters on Twitter. I mean, anybody could come up with a rumor, but this was reported by ESPN. And the uh, it, it stated that he's set to go to La Liga, to Villarreal, to be more precise, on a loan that will keep him in the eastern part of Spain at least until next summer. Now, this shouldn't come as a total surprise because he did train with their U-17 and their U-19 academies. So there is a connection there. People at Villarreal knew about Mamadou Fall, so not a complete out-of-left-field scenario. And, you know, he's had 16 appearances, 13 starts, but we really haven't seen much of him. I mean, you got the return of Eddie Segura, right? He's not going to start over Steady Eddie. That goes without saying. And obviously with Chiellini coming in, where is he going to find his minutes? Last season, he he, he made eight appearances for, for Vegas, uh, 19 total uh, for LAFC, got himself four goals. But this is a good thing. Villarreal is a big club scarf. I mean, they won the Europa League in, tw- in the 2020-21 season. They never won La Liga, but they were runners-up in the, I believe it was in 08. And he's going to get some valuable experience playing against some fantastic players and, you know, it's going to be a really good thing. I, I don't have a La Liga team. I, I never really did. I <laughs> never really paid attention to La Liga because my my eyes and hearts and ears were set on Premier and Bundesliga. But, you know, once this happened, I'm certainly going to pay attention to Villarreal. So that's what ESPN was, is reporting. Yeah. Uh, Tom Bogert, Tommy Scoops is reporting it. So this looks like it's going to happen. And he wasn't even in the 18, which normally he has been. Yeah, look, Villarreal, top of the table right now after two games in La games, Liga. Yeah. <laughs> uh, five, they were five, seventh last season. Yeah, there you go. Uh, five uh, five goals scored, zero goals against through two games, Philly. So defense, their calling card, at least early on in the season. Oh, they played uh, Atletico Madrid today. I almost forgot. Keep going. I want to see what the score is. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, uh, no, no, keep going with what you're saying. Well, no, no, no. I mean, that was that was pretty much it. But more La Liga rumors that have to do with LAFC, Philly. Let's talk about Real Betis and, and their former man, because he is currently out of contract as of July 1st, Cristian Teo. I hope it's Teo. I don't think it's Tello, right? It's Teo. Uh, Cristian Teo is uh, rumored, rumored, I say, to be on his way to LAFC. No concrete reporting by any of the sources that we usually trust and follow. But it's one of those rumors uh, from Real Betis. Look, this is a guy who is a little bit longer in the tooth, right? He just turned 31 years old, which for a soccer player, but not for a podcaster, is old. Uh, 31 years old. He has uh, extensive experience with Real Betis, but he's also suited up 86 times for Barcelona, scoring 20 goals, played for Porto, played for Fiorentina. Uh, I mean, the dude is has solid credentials. He's obviously played in Europa League, he's played in Champions League, scoring goals in both La Liga, Serie A, Copa del Rey, Supercopa. I mean, the dude is legit. I just, I don't know. I don't know how much he's got left in the tank. I, I Clearly, Real Betis doesn't want him anymore. They're, they're on their way up in the table in La Liga. They are currently third uh, in the table, but one of four teams that have won both of their first matches. The fourth one, by the way, being Osasuna, Carlos Vela's first uh, first La Liga team. So it, it'll be interesting. I, I don't want to say any more about Christian Teo unless we actually have some concrete reporting, but Philly, we are waiting on some concrete reporting on Brian. Yes. Brian to America. He might be flying, which is weird. Cause he's also in America. Huh. 
Yeah, I mean, give us a scoop on that. that that's your boy. You got oh. a song coming. Hard oh. LFC called you out on it. You talk about Brian and his uh, departure. That's right. I was supposed to talk about Brian. I remember the order now. We've got this. <laughs> we know what we're doing. This is episode 210. We've had plenty of practice. Look, the rumors are this. I, I Here's what we've heard. Here's what it could likely be happening. The transfer window for Liga Emekis runs through September, I believe, 4th. Correct? I believe it's September 4th. At the end of September 4th, everybody turns into a pumpkin and Liga Emekis can only bring in people that are out of contract. LAFC is in no hurry to move Brian. This has nothing to do with Denny Bawanga's visa situation. It has nothing to do with our number of designated players. It has nothing to do with anything other than LAFC is in no hurry right now. And the numbers that we have heard, and we are not inside, inside, like maybe a Vince LaRosa or clearly a Tommy Scoops or several of the other reporters who report on MLS. The numbers that we have heard of this, LAFC might want 8 million, and it looks like Club America is willing to give six. And so the, the closer we come to the middle ground, the closer it comes to possibly having a deal. Uh, we haven't heard many other details, but here's the deal. LAFC is in no hurry to move Brian Rodriguez. If they move him at the end of the season, great. If they move him now, great. Uh, clearly, he's in a little bit of hot water, as has been reported by yep. a few different outside agencies about his interview that he did last Thursday, reiterating him wanting to move off of LAFC or having his agent do some stuff. Look, we've said it, Philly. I think you were the one that first coined this particular phrase for Brian, is that he's got million-dollar talent but it's that that six inch space in between the ears that tends to leave you wanting a, a little bit more. And I, I mean, look, it the writing seems right, Philly, to be on the wall that our time with Brian may be past. Yeah, um, he supposedly he infuriated the club with that right. unauthorized interview. And that basically means like to give an interview, like you, you got to go through LAFC PR to speak to the players. You can't just go directly to them and get something. Cause that's a no, no in the world of media. So apparently this was an interview that was unauthorized. He says he's looking for, I, I'm not quoting it exactly, but he certainly wants to go to club America. And if you noticed, he didn't start, which he had been the past couple of games, and he hadn't been playing poorly, but he didn't even make it into the uh, onto the pitch. He was in the 18. He was overlooked in terms of coming into the match, so I don't know if that was the slap on the wrist that Steve gave him. Steve clearly wants to see him on this team, but you never know. So your your, your buddy Brian, his, his, his time's <laughs> limited. His time's uh, numbered. Yeah, I, I think we might have seen the last of Brian, but then again, who knows? He might start against Austin and score two goals and shut me up. So, so we'll see what happens. Philly, I, I don't want to lose Sifu. It's not happening, is it? Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, look, the reports are Brighton, Hove, and Albion in the pre British Premier League is uh, it's got their eyes on him. Supposedly, he's been a transfer target for Brighton. Brighton, a very nice beach town, about an hour and a half south of London. Um, a really cool spot, FYI. But supposedly, they have their eyes on him. Now, I think the Premier League summer window closes September 1st. And then, you know, after the World Cup concludes, you know, things are going to be kind of crazy and kind of hectic. And at that point, we'll be done with our season because the first week of November, essentially, is when the MLS Cup happens. But that could be the potential time period where Sifu goes. And if you look at Brighton's 
roster, they love their Ecuadorian scarf. I mean, they got Moises Caicedo in the midfield. They got their right, right back, Purvis. Uh, they, they even have another player, an attacking midfielder named Jeremy Sarmiento. He hasn't really played much, but, uh, I mean, they certainly love their Ecuadorians down in that beautiful beach town of Brighton. And it'd be pretty cool scarf to head down, head down, head over the pond to catch some Premier League and, man, to get out to, to Brighton. Think of it I- as, like, an Atlantic City or like a Coney oh, Island kind oh, of a deal. You. It's beach okay. town with like amusement parks. I got a question for you though, Philly. Yeah. I seem to remember, was that the same Brighton that played Manchester United earlier in the season? Was that, the you know, same? you know, let's not, let's not talk about that. Uh, okay. All right. We're, we're, we're the night before the United is about to take on Liverpool. So we'll really <laughs> see how abysmal this season's going I'm, to be. I'm blown away. 19th out of 20 in the table right now. I'm not trying to, to rub it in. I'm just blown away. Yeah, like and well, well, Brighton, yeah. And Brighton beat West Ham, who is the, uh, right. the 19th place team. Right. So or the 20th uh, place team, 20th place team. Yeah. West Ham and Manchester United battling for, uh, to stay, to stay, uh, up. It's crazy to me. It's I got early. a question for you. Uh, Brighton has a has a midfielder named Pascal. I don't know how to say. It. Is it Grobe? 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 Look, Philly. I need you to Google him real quick. He's from Mannheim, Germany. There is a. Oh is, yeah, Pascal. That's he's one of their scores. Yeah. What no, is that? Gross. What is so that when symbol? You see, what when is you that see symbol? that symbol That's why uh, in German, you. that means a double S. Really? Yeah. Huh. That's a double S. So Look, I got, that's one I got, thing. When you see the umlauts, you know what that means. But yeah, right. G-R, that, that's that's two S's. And that's how it spells in German. Got it. See, I didn't know that. Okay. I know a lot when it comes to, you know, the, the romance languages. That I can figure out. No problem. It's Brighton that's and Hove Albion. I think I said Brighton and Hove and Albion. You yeah, yeah, Brighton and Hove Albion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Philly, you and I were talking. This is why I remembered them. Oh, my goodness. All right. So, first of all, everybody, this actually ties in the LAFC news and notes now, Philly. This is why I remember them. Oh, my goodness. All right. Not because you're a degenerate gambler? Not because I'm a degenerate gambler. Here's why I remember what we were talking about earlier. Philly and I were discussing an incredible goal this weekend in USL. It was the keeper for Union Omaha scoring in the very first minute. Scoring in the very first minute for Union Omaha. The keeper scored on it's the North Carolina Defiance or that's the Coma. Oh, FC, FC. North Carolina. Yeah, hold on here. Union Omaha over North Carolina FC. Defiance is Tacoma. Yeah. Here's here's why I remember Union Omaha. You ready for this? I'm ready. (laughs) Okay, good. Just wanted to make sure. Three days ago, Union Omaha reported a new signing. Shaft Brewer Jr. No way. Yep. No way. Omaha have signed. This was supposed to be in our news and notes segment, but we brought it up now. I totally forgot about it. Yeah. Uh, It is incredible to me that at least according to this press release, and I'm going to double check it right now. Shaft Brewer Jr. is only 22 years old. He turns 23 in October. I feel like it was 10 years ago that Shaft Brewer was on LAFC. Obviously, he started in that one ill-fated, was it the Vancouver match, right? Where we started a bunch of players who we never should have started, and we lost one nothing. It was a whole mess of a match. But, wow. So, Shaft Brewer Jr., makes an appearance with Union Omaha. He didn't play in the match that we were talking about, but 
Jeff Brewer Jr., everybody, back in the news. You know, I could have sworn that when we were talking about Brighton and Hove Albion, you were going to say something that's near and dear to your heart. You jokingly always refer to yourself as a degenerate gambler. Uh, yes. Defenders, if you don't know this story, I highly suggest you look up a man by the name of Tony Bloom. He is the owner <laughs> of Brighton and Hove Albion, and this is a guy who made all his money playing poker. That's yep. right, poker. He bought his childhood team and created something really cool. They got a brand new stadium. They they're obviously they've been in the Premier League for a while. So I thought that's where you were going to tie Brighton as far as like your thing is concerned. I, I mean, Philly, what about this? You ready for me to tie myself to Tony Bloom? Oh boy, I I can't wait for this. I know you don't have any ties to to, to the Belgian team he owns. I do not. We share a birthday. Tony, oh, yeah, Bloom March twentieth. That's right. Yep. Tony Bloom and I share a birthday. So I knew who he was because I, you know, I like to look up Philly. Philly goes down the rabbit hole sometimes about who was it? Was it uh, Fidel Castro, Tim Tebow? Who, who were all the other people? Uh, yeah. there was, <laughs> uh, Alfred there was Hitchcock, I think, was an another one. Yeah, there, there was a lot going on with uh, whose birthday was that? Was that yours and and uh, and Connor's, right? You share the birthday. And Sujin, don't forget Sujin. And Sujin, right, and Sujin. Uh, but yeah, no, I actually knew, we are way off the rails today. This is fun. Uh, Tony Bloom and I share a birthday. So the, the owner of Brighton and Hove Albion. All right, just want to remind everybody. Uh, well, Scar, Scar, the, I forgot to say one thing. Sorry, uh, Villarreal did beat Atletico Madrid 2-0. Wow, okay. Yeah. And you know Villarreal's and, and by coaches, the way, by the way? I do not. Unai Emery, formerly of Arsenal and PSG. So Mamadou oh, Fall is going to get coached by Unai Emery. That's kind of cool, man. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'd rather have him coached by Giorgio Chiellini here at LAFC, but that's okay. Um, All right. Uh, one other quick thing. I know you're not a dirty, dirty Leeds fan, but Brendan Aronson is yeah. the real flipping deal. And your old boy, Captain Jack Harrison, scored a goal for them today as well. So uh, it's... That's Leeds is a fun team to watch, man. Jesse yeah, they're harsh. Yeah, they're like the next version of uh, like Fulham with with all the Americans. I mean, Aaron right. scored a goal today. Um, one couldn't help but see Christian Pulisic like chatting with Jesse March and, and his you know U.S. men's national team players. Uh, Christian right. not really getting. He came in later on in the game. But you couldn't help but wonder, maybe Leeds would look at somebody like Christian and make it the um, the uh, the America's team. Well, I mean, that would be interesting. Pulisic was rumored, though, going to... There's United. There's so many clubs. I, I heard, yeah, right? It was uh, United was talking uh, about... Well, they're this, looking like, to bring in that... I mean, an unbelievable midfielder from Real Madrid. I think all he has to do is pass his, his, uh, his physicals and whatnot, but... Yeah. I don't know, man. Leeds, dirty Leeds, as everybody re refers to. I mean, that was uh, like I'm not a Chelsea fan. I'm not obviously not a Leeds fan, but clearly a team to, to keep an eye on. I mean, you got Americans galore. And, there. and look, by the way, just to put a bow on this before we get into the other fun stuff, we just talked about North Carolina FC playing Union Omaha on North Carolina FC, by the way, is Christian's cousin, Will Pulisic. True story. All right. So I, I defenders, it. now it's time to pull off the bandaid or or stitch up the stitch. <laughs> we should probably get talking about this game finally. Yeah, you know, we do uh, want to remind everybody that the Mauricio Mo Facio Futsal Court in Southeast LA fundraising effort is underway. LAFC, the LAFC Foundation, and the 3252 are partnering to build a futsal court in Southeast LA in Mo's honor. The link to donate is in our bio. We'll do a very quick This Day in LAFC history, take a look at both the Las Vegas Lights and Angel City, and then get right into it, Philly, about this match against Yeah, San I jumped Jose. the gun. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. 
the game was, the match was on August 20th. So we will look at August 20th, 2018 on this day in LAFC history. The Los Angeles Dodgers hosted the first ever LAFC night with Walker Zimmerman throwing out the first pitch and they gave away that sweet black and gold Dodgers and LAFC t-shirt to fans with special tickets. So that was really cool. And we are recording this episode on August 21st. So let's look at August 21st, 2019. And oddly enough, LAFC crushes San Jose at Bank of California Stadium for nothing. A brace for Carlos Vela, bookended by Diego Rossi and the first career goal for Philly. Name that Perez who scored in the 81st minute against San Jose in 2019. It would be Josh. It would be Josh. God, I miss doing name that Perez when we had all the Perez's. That was so much fun. (laughs) That was, by the way, Philly, the famous Carlos Vela goal where you had Max Bredos. Vela, 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 It's a household. It's a household call now. We call that the Houdini goal. It was a goal of the year candidate. It somehow did not win. It was number one on ESPN Sports Center top 10 that night. And Tyler Miller with six saves in the clean sheet. We don't have a game, Philly, until the 26th. I want to bring up two more quick dates. August 22nd, 2018, LAFC's Academy, the U13s, win the CONCACAF Champions League title for the U13s. It was the first ever international trophy in LAFC's club history. And on the 23rd, back in 2016, the groundbreaking of the Cathedral of the Black and Gold Bank of California Stadium with LA Mayor Eric Garcetti, August 23rd, 2016. And that, Philly, is this day in LAFC history. One small bit of news that we have not talked about. Danny Trejo is for the rest of the season now, Philly. No more short-term loans. No more worrying about anything else between the Las Vegas lights and LAFC with Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo is black and gold for the rest of 2022. Dude, dude, it's awesome. Um, he had, I think he had like 10 goals yep. for Vegas thus far this season. And I forget the name of it. I know we follow them, but it's a USL dedicated podcast and they cover the entire USL and they retweeted somebody's tweet. Um, it's like the bet. Don't worry, everybody. The bad, bad man is gone. Danny Trejo, no longer going to terrorize us in USL. He's gone to LAFC. So obviously <laughs> people in the USL recognize the talent that Danny Trejo is and really, really cool to have him as a member of LAFC permanently. Yeah, man, I'm just so excited for this kid. By the way, driving back from San Jose, you drive past the sign for Mendota, where Danny Trejo is from. And again, take if you guys haven't heard me talk about this already, there's a great ESPN 30 for 30 on the Mendota High School football team. It'll give you an idea of the the city and the type of people that that really make up this the city of Mendota. It is a an incredibly hardworking uh, town and the fact that they now can call Danny Trejo not just a professional athlete to come from that city, but someone who has a full contract for the rest of the year. You know, he's played twice for us already. He played against Seattle on June 18th, played against Vancouver on July 3rd. And and look, hopefully we can clinch early enough, Supporter Shield and Top of the West, best in MLS, all of those good things. Hopefully we can clinch early enough to get Danny Trejo some run, although I'm not a big fan of load management, as you'll hear me talk about when we talk about the San Jose game. 
but uh, you know, let's we'll smoothly go into the Las Vegas lights update Philly. Uh, they also played three matches in eight days along with the parent club and the lights drew at orange County one, one behind a 52nd minute goal from Cal Jennings, his yeah. eighth of the season. We'll see if he can catch Danny's 10 by the time the season is over. And then they also played on Saturday, Philly, and they came back from down a goal to defeat the Sacramento Republic. And the goal to draw them even was a 22nd minute tally by Christian Torres, his first of the season. A little bit of a different, uh, disappointing season so far for Christian Torres. Only one goal with our USL affiliate Las Vegas Lights and obviously no minutes on the season in black and gold yet. I've still got a lot of hope for him. And then obviously for Tony Leone and Eric Duenas, we'll see what happens. And Philly, unlike us, Angel City gets a two-week break. Their next match coming at one of your favorite places, Philly, to talk about soccer, beautiful Red Bull Arena in Harrison, New Jersey. Uh, they, they play the New York, New Jersey, Gotham, and Midge Purse, and they sit just one point out of the playoffs with seven matches to play. All right, let's talk about it. Let's get into it, Philly. Uh, LAFC loses to San Jose. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. All right, I, I want to remind everybody once again that, yes. you know, coming into this game, 18-4-3, 57 points, nine points ahead of FC Broccoli and Quaker City FC, Philadelphia. In the race for the Supporter Shield, obviously that changes a little bit. Seven-game winning streak, a um, outscoring opponent's, uh, nineteen and five in in this in the seven game winning streak. Three clean sheets. Pretty cool stuff. Fourteen zero and zero in scoring first. Thirty seven and six uh, goals. Four goals against in the second half. And Steve Chirundolo only needing two wins to tie the record for wins for uh, for most wins by a first year coach. And if he ties it, it'd be Bob Bradley. And then uh, the, the former coach of the Tampa Bay Mutiny, which is no longer a team, Tombis Rangelap. I, I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly, but two more wins away from tying that record and possibly surpassing it. So, uh, yeah, best in the West and best in MLS. And we had very good reasons to go in and do this because a win would help us clinch the playoffs in the same amount of time that it took for that 2019 team to clinch the playoffs. Now, it wasn't just a win or a draw. There were four other scenarios, five in total, and we'll tell you what scenario it was that made us clinch the playoffs as we get into halftime. But LAFC coming in a huge, huge favorite, but Scarf. Yeah. You know how we've been jokingly referring to PayPal Park as, as Bank of California North? We have. Yeah, so, I mean, that's not so much the case. We haven't been very successful up there, Scarf. In fact, we haven't really, I mean, we, we've gone two and three, and we've lost our three, the last three matches that we played at PayPal Park. Yeah. So not a place in which we've had a great deal of success. We can no longer call it Smurf Village. Certainly after today, we couldn't call it Smurf, uh, Smurf Village. But why don't we get into the lineups, my man? Yeah, I, and I just want to remind everybody real quick before I get into the San Jose lineup. You guys have all seen the All-Star jerseys, right? Philly, I know you you really like the All-Star jerseys from the last couple of years. Can you just tell us real quick, Philly, what is on the front of every All-Star jersey since LAFC has come into the league 2018? Why, that would be a Target logo. Ah, that would be a Target. That's right. Let, let me just let me put it to you guys this way: out here in uh, LAFC land for the uh, for the millions and millions, every match that we go into for the rest of the season and for all season, by the way, more so than any other team 
in Major League Soccer, more so than any club that we will play or that other clubs will play. We might as well, right underneath that Flex logo, we might as well also be sponsored by Target because every single match. We were at we, one point. Right? <laughs> On the we, get, we get every team's best shot. And I want to tell you, I was in the arena. I was at PayPal Park. This match, unprovoked, unasked. I had three different fans, Philly, of San Jose tell me that this was their MLS Cup. I believe that it. they had already given up on the season. Fans were frustrated they weren't playing Cade Cowlmore. <laughs> we'll talk <laughs> about that in a second. <laughs> Fans were frustrated that they named Luchi Gonzalez head coach, but won't be able to see him until 2023. Yep. Fans were frustrated that the team didn't name Chris Wondolowski as the interim head coach, and instead it's Alex Covello. Fans are frustrated at this club in San Jose, but they said, you know what? It's not just beating LA because they did the beat LA chant a couple of times. It was interesting. It's beating this version of LAFC this season. That's their MLS cup. You guys imagine 26 games into a 34 game season. If that's what supporting our club was reduced to, Oh, here comes the best club in the, in the league. Let's really try to give it our all, guys. That's what they're doing in San Jose. That that that's crazy. I mean, 13th place. When we last played them, they were in 11th. 33 points behind us. Yeah. Uh, they had only won one more game at home since we had last played them. I mean, yeah. if you look at their their last 5 games, Loss, draw, no, hold on. Loss, draw, loss, draw, loss. Like it was like reading a cholesterol level, LDLs, man, like everywhere <laughs> you go. Um, the last time they won, oddly enough, they beat the Galaxy in Carson on July the 13th. So yep. they've had they've had California teams numbers and you know, with with a lineup, and you're gonna go through it, you know, Jeremy yeah. Abobasi, Christian Espinosa. Uh, I mean, Jackson Yule, we'll talk about it. They, they've got more. talented guys, man. They they do. And Jeremy Abobasi, he's an LAFC killer. I mean, six goals against us all time. Only Zlatan has more yeah. goals in Major yeah. League Soccer against LAFC than Jeremy Abobasi. But yeah, not not a crap team. They've been close, but yes, a crap team, though. Not yeah, a team this should have season, lost to. I mean, they're, they're battling for the, at least the Western wooden spoon, if not for the whole thing. So we'll see how... They they come out in a four two three one and I got to say I do research I go on their on their teams their club's website I look at the the coaches and the roster it is really awkward to see Luchi Gonzalez not only already listed on the website but listed ahead of interim manager Alex Covello on the website oh that is weird it's a little awkward uh, goalkeeper and he has the name of a Gears of War character J T Marchinkowski uh, he he was fine. He made a couple very good saves. Uh, I, he was much better than the last keeper that we saw one David Ochoa. So uh, JT Marchinkowski in goal, their back line consists of Paul Marie, Tanner Beeson, Nathan, and Tommy Thompson, who I will tell you, I, I did not realize San Jose's absolute love and adoration for one Tommy Thompson. He is a homegrown <laughs> product there. He's been there five or six years. With you know the where he went to college? Uh, where did he go to college, Philly? Uh, Indiana University. Yeah, I was waiting for you on that one. There you go. 
but they love him in San Jose. I mean, every time he touched the ball and he played a hell of a match, he was actually their player of the match, despite the, despite Tarzan boy scoring that goal there. And I, I do mean that in the nicest way. I'll talk about it in just a second. Their midfield. We mentioned uh, team USA's Jackson Yule. He's a really good player. Jan Gregus did not have a good match against LAFC. Benji Kikanovic is, is very solid. And you'll hear us talk about him in a minute. Jamiro Montero, formerly of Philadelphia Union. Christian Espinoza, who is very, very good. And you mentioned the LAFC killer himself, formerly of Portland, and maybe possibly playing himself into an outside shot at the U.S. men's national team in Qatar. One Jeremy Bobasi. On their bench, we did not get to see the old man in San Jose, Shea Salinas, but we did get to see both Eric Remedy, who has had a long and illustrious MLS career as a journeyman, and the 18-year-old Tarzan looking, and I mean that as a compliment wonderkind, because this kid, I mean, okay, look, it, it's this kid is the embodiment of what you would want your body to look like if you are a soccer player. He's not 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", like Zlatan, but he's muscular. He's absolutely fearless. He is so much fun to watch. You and I have gotten to see him play at the U.S. men's national team. We've now you know, had enough of him in this match, but Cade Cowell, you guys, is 18 years old. He's 18 years old, and he has been getting first-team minutes since 2020 for San Jose, but not starting this year. He doesn't start, but as we will find out, he comes to play a large part in this particular match, Philly. That is San Jose. We're going to have to spend a minute, Philly, after you go through the lineup of the black and gold talking about this lineup for the black and gold. Yeah, real quick. One thing I wanted to bring up, though, that I heard on the broadcast, Max had mentioned it. Now, Scar, do you remember that that plane crash that happened several years ago, that Brazilian team that lost a, a, a lot of their players? I do, yes, Chapacuense. Correct, Chapacuense. So they obviously put a team together of interim players, and uh, Max mentioned on the broadcast that Nathan was one of those players that, oh, uh, that wow. came in. So I thought that was kind of a cool statistic. I would have never known that. That is really cool. So that's a, that's an interesting fact. So yeah, you mentioned the LAFC lineup. In between the pipes, Maxime Crepo. Now here's something fun. Maxime only needs two more of these, uh, and they're called clean sheets, in order okay. to eclipse Tyler Miller's record, no, to tie Tyler Miller's record of 10 that he set in 2019, three to eclipse in. He's thus far coming into this game, gone 258 minutes without conceding a goal. Uh, Tyler Miller went all, all, almost four matches without conceding a goal, and we talk about how LAFC's backline was was. You know, this is the best version of it. I don't know. 2019, obviously, going four games without any goals is kind of big. But real, just real quick, wanted to bring up that stat. We yeah. had Franco Escobar. <laughs> I had to think about that one for a second. <laughs> uh, Jesus David Murillo. Uh, Sebastian Ibiaga back in, the, uh, back in the four. And it makes sense. Eddie having started and played a full 90 and then going 75 the next game kind of makes sense. Chiellini, by the way, did not make the trip up to San Jose. That's why right. he wasn't on the 18. And then we have Chiqui Palacios. And throughout the course of the season, we've had 17 different defensive starting lineups throughout these 25 games. So it's going to, you know, that's not that interesting. But we welcome Seba Mendez into the midfield. His fifth appearance as a member of the Black and Gold, his first start. We got yeah. Kellen Acosta sporting the captain's arm armband 
Uh, more on that later. Latif Blessing starting the match. We have Chicho Arango, Mahala Opoku, who we're going to be really excited to talk about. And then rounding up the uh, the front line, Ryan Hollingshead? Yeah, Philly, we haven't had one of these in a while. Philly, that was certainly our wait. What? what moment of the match? What? I mean, look, Ryan Hollingshead has played striker everywhere he went in his career until he got to MLS. Yes, so correct. It, it wasn't a it wasn't a shock to him that he was playing striker, but I mean, Philly, isn't this the club that has Brian Rodriguez, Carlos Vela, Gareth Bale? Uh, why are we starting Ryan Hollingshead striker? Yeah, I mean, you said it. He had experience. I mean, he at UCLA, he was a midfielder and a forward. So yep. Ryan Hollingshead, very diverse, and should come as no surprise that he played up top on, on some of our games during some schematic changes. And I mean, at one point, he's one. Of, I mean, he's he's one of our leading scorers. Let's not forget about that. So he knows how to find the back of the net. But certainly strange because when we look at the bench. Uh, I mean, you said it. We had Carlos Vela on there. We had Gareth Bale on there. We had Brian Rodriguez there. We had Danny Trejo there. Oh, wait, we still have Jose Cifuentes, Ilya Sanchez, Eddie Segura, and John McCarthy. I mean, that's a solid bench. Starting Ryan Hollingshead obviously put question marks in all of our heads. And there are a lot of people that at the conclusion of this game weren't too terribly happy with how this lineup was was tinkered with. Some people would have said as downright disrespectful trying something like this out against the 13th place team in the league. But we're going to talk about this. I mean, we're we're hella deep, no doubt about that. But goes to show you the the versatility that Ryan Hollingshead had, but I, I mean, I'm not going to say he's, he, he's, he's going to win that spot over Carlos Vela or anybody for that matter, but did yeah, you, strange, strange lineup say, to start the game. Did you just say hella deep? Did I say that? Is that like a no, NorCal it's, thing? I it, No, Hecka is, I think, a little more NorCal, but we're well, about I don't know. To I'm be, from Queens. What do I we're, know? We're about to be corrected at least at some point on that one. Yeah, Philly, uh, uh, my take on this starting lineup after seeing them play for 90 minutes real quick. Um, this wasn't it. And it wasn't it, not because of our back line, uh, although interesting thought on this at the end of the match. We'll talk about it. This midfield, this combination of three, not them individually, but this combination of three was mm, awful. They did not play well. The midfield was terrible. Kellen Acosta, ugh, he had an awful match in terms of service. Yes. He, he really struggled. Seba Mendez, Someone out there who who talks tactics, if you don't mind, let me know what you guys thought about these three midfielders together. I thought Latif did the Latif things that he is supposed to do, but I don't think he connected anything with the midfield and the front line or the back line connected through him. I did not think Mendez had a good game. And one other little observation I want to make before we break down the minute by minute of this match. You can't put Franco Escobar and Ryan Hollingshead on the same side because the two think very similarly to each other. And at several points, they were occupying the same space on the field because uh, pitch because, you know, they both play right back and they were used to kind of pushing up a little bit. And I just felt like they got lost. I was look, we talked about load management. We talked about needing to rotate the roster around a little bit. Maybe a little, little too much in this one. Maybe yeah, perhaps. Bit. But you know what wasn't too much? And you you were there. You can vouch for it. Certainly heard it on TV. The the 32-52 could be heard the minute the whistle blew and the opening kickoff occurred. Uh, must have been pretty cool. How I mean, how 
Did you get to see Will Ferrell? Were you close enough to Will Ferrell? Yeah, actually. So pre-match, I, I, I mentioned that Dario got me the ticket. What Dario also did. So Dario took his son and he took his nephew. His nephew flew in from Brazil like the day before. Oh, wow. Uh, and he's going to be staying here with him. And I think he's going to be going to uh, to school here, high school here to play soccer. He got his nephew and his son like pitch side seats, right? Um, not, not the two of us. We were, I, I was up in, in section 109 or 107, I should say. I was up in 107. Um, but he got his son and his nephew pitch side seats. And so he kind of sweet talked the usher into giving him and I wristbands or the stamps, I should say. And all, all the stamp says is Audi club. It's the AUDI, like the car Audi club so that we could go check on the kids during the match. So pre-match I'm standing against the rail by the pitch when Will Farrell and Paul and everybody else came by and, you know, Will actually chopped it up with us for like a second or two as he walked by, he said it was good to see us. And, you know, we need all three points. And, and Paul, you know, Paul was giving me a hard time because that's what Paul does. Love you, Paul. Um, but yeah, he was right there, man. And, and I got to say, look, Gareth Bale might've got booed. Carlos Vela got cheered louder than anybody else. We'll talk about that in a little bit, That's interesting. but absolutely everybody loved seeing will ferrell walk through when he was there it was really cool that's awesome i love it when the, you get to see the owners and, and their involvement i i have yet to see tony robbins anywhere you, tony where the hell you at buddy i have yet to see you at this rate i mean i think it only took two weeks of the uh, the regular season for us to eclipse your uh <laughs> your participation time at bank of california stadium dare i say between me you nina and amanda and our scarves and our jerseys hell we probably have invested more money in lafc than tony robbins has tony where the hell are you man sorry i had to do that it's my annual tony robbins where the frick are you rant you're picking on a man whose net worth is estimated to be six hundred million dollars and is six foot seven. Yeah, but I have yet to see him at Bank of California Stadium. I uh, okay. Uh, you know who I did see there, by the way, was Bennett Rosenthal. Bennett, uh, that is our, a participating owner. You yeah, gotta love was, that. I mean, why do you think Arsenal great. fans hate Stan Kroenke? Because they seem like they're like he doesn't care. He's never there. Um, he's an American. What? Because he's an American. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, if the team was winning, they wouldn't care. I mean, I, I know the Liverpool supporters don't exactly hate their owner, even though he's American. Um, LeBron James, I believe, is part owner as well. They don't hate them because they're winning. Yeah, look, I, I, I miss Ted Lasso. Season three can't come soon enough. And in the fourth minute, I thought about Ted Lasso when Kellen Acosta took our first corner kick of the match and he booted it, as they say in, in Ted Lasso, into touch which means out of bounds. Uh, Kellen Acosta's service, Billy, in this match was a lot like, I've said this before, a lot like Verizon and Culver City. It just wasn't there. There was no <laughs> service to be had from one Kellen Acosta. Four minutes into the match, his first corner, I mean, it wasn't even close. Maybe he was trying for an Olympico. That's the only thing I can think of, but it wasn't even close to that. And and this was weird. I, I forget this all the time, Philly that sometimes when you play a team from Los Angeles, this just happens. Fifth minute of the match, Philly. Fifth minute of the match, the ball is just being passed back and forth from midfield by San Jose, and all of a sudden, a beat LA chant erupts, and nothing has happened in the match, by the way, while this was happening. Nothing has happened, but the beat LA chant rolled out. Yeah, well, 
I mean, it is what it is there. I would agree on you. Acosta is certainly not good on corners. I think he took all but one of the free kicks in one of the set piece uh, attempts, which yeah. at, one, at one point he had a, one really good one in the second half. We'll talk about that one later, but obviously a, not great at that point. Seventh minute, we had a pass in the box. Great pass to X Escobar, who tried to connect with Mahala. And you're going to hear us say this quite a bit, but Mahala slipped on the pitch. Dude. Um, slipping. Slipping. Uh, we're going to be talking about this quite a bit. I have some funny like tie-ins to it, but yeah, he had a slip right there. I know you had something that you saw with, uh, you know, right around the 10th minute, but uh, Mahala, the first slipping casualty of many that would happen for LAFC. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you noticed it because that was something that even the San Jose supporters that were sitting right around me were like, dude, how come LAFC is falling all over the pitch? We were. You're absolutely right. I did also notice LAFC playing a really high press to start the match, and I thought it was fine. I didn't think we had any issues with it, but something that I noticed, and if you go back and watch the game, while the goal was scored from the the middle of the park on this, and, and so was the second goal, by the way, uh, we'll talk about a little bit later, I would say, going back to look, at least 80 to 85% of San Jose's buildup and their attack was attacking the right side, attacking from the right side, I should say. So in particular, Cheeky Palacios' side. They attacked that right side over and over and over again. And I talked to you about how much they love Tommy Thompson in San Jose, Philly. In the 14th minute, it was Tommy Thompson who found Benji Kakanovich after breaking down everybody on that right side, found Kakanovich with a beautiful pass all the way through, and Kakanovich hammers this one home. That'll be a theme for the two San Jose goals. An absolute hammer by the player who, you know, he, he came over and has played very, very well for them. He is a piece that they are looking at possibly building around this kid, Benji Kakanovich. And, and just like that, man, 14 minutes in on a team that really wants to park the bus but wound up not doing it for a while – we're already down one nothing, and I was super frustrated at this point. No, ah, you, you would have you had to be there. We didn't look crisp turning the ball over. Our, our passing accuracy wasn't very good. Uh, I mean, the pass came over. I think like Maria was sliding in trying to make a play, but yep. we didn't talk about Kikanovic. Actually, I wasn't on one more sleep. I was at the Rams game. I forgot about that. But Kikanovic got his fifth goal of the season. Uh, I mean, born and bred San Jose native. So yeah. he's been there forever. And I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's the first time. LAFC has conceded the first goal of the match since July 29th when Seattle did it to us at Lumen Field. By the way, another game that you were at on the road. Why do I feel like there's a hashtag blame scarf coming? Yeah, so when I texted that to you, you were like, why blame scarf? I figured I would wait for the podcast to let you know why. Oh, love it. All right, that's the last away days I'm going to for a while. That's for sure. Um, You know, I... Chicho looked decent in this match. I felt like he did a lot of right things, including in the 17th. There was a rocket from Chicho, top of the box, missed just wide right. And, you know, look, we've got rumors about Mamadou Fall. We've got Eddie Segura still coming back and being healthy. I don't think, Philly, there is one way or one, one way, shape, or form that you can debate the fact that Jesus David Murillo has been our defensive MVP this season. Yeah. I know Cheeky has had a great season. Uh, I really liked what Ibiaga brought us for a certain time, and I'm so happy to have Eddie back. But the way that Murray played, you mentioned he he got kind of got caught, he got kind of caught sliding 
on on that goal there, but he was really trying to help uh, after Cheeky had gotten beaten. But in the seventh and the nineteenth minute, excuse me, off of a corner from San Jose, I really loved Murray's defense inside the box, and I think that's really where he has uh, where he's really come along. Chicho was down for a little bit in the twentieth. And, you know, I mean, look, he got beat up a lot, Scarf. I mean, he was down quite a bit and it looked as if, I mean, this was probably would have been something taken out of the Wayne Rooney, like page, like book of coaching. They were hammering Chicho, trying to get him off his game. And that was a theme that had to have been a, um, a a tactic employed by Covello because it just kept happening time and time again. And I mean, that shot that he had in the 17th minute, that was a pissed off Chicho because people were all over him. So you can kind of see, Throughout the course of this game, you kind of saw two levels of it. Like, you hammer Chicho enough, he's going to get pissed off and do something incredibly well, or he's going to get pissed off and get completely rattled on his game, and more on that later. But And and, and I'll, I want to piggyback on that, because I think it wasn't just him. I, I think what I saw Covello do many times throughout this match as well is they put Jan Gregorsch on Latif Blessing, right? And Jan Gregorsch can't keep up with Latif Blessing. But on every set piece, whether it was a corner kick, whether it was a free kick, or whether it was a throw-in, you had Jan Gregorz, who is a foot taller at least than Latif Blessing, and at least 50 or 60 pounds heavier, really bodying the heck out of Latif Blessing, too. So you're absolutely right. I think they took a page from the DC playbook. We've seen it from Portland's playbook for many, many times. If you beat us up, we're either going to do something really, really smart, or in this case, really, really stupid. Uh, another frustrating corner in the 29th minute with Kellen Acosta. Just, he didn't give anybody a chance in the 30th. I don't know if you picked this up on television, but the refs missed what we thought was a pretty blatant handball by cheeky and then gave a yellow to Tommy Thompson after a foul. And then right after that, another yellow to Nathan for a hard foul. And it was, it was pretty interesting. Uh, the two yellows, I thought, oh man, Here's a club now that has two of their most important players right through the middle of the pitch picking up yellows. It would be really great if LAFC could capitalize on yellows. Not that that's important to do or anything. More on that later. Oh, yeah. All right. Sorry. There was a... There was a- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought the way you described the sense, I thought you had more to say. My bad. Um, I'm just upset about the way that we didn't capitalize on their yellows, but they capitalized on us. Yeah, I mean, we saw a lot of fouls, that's for sure. We saw a lot of beating up on Chicho, uh, for sure. We saw even more slipping on the pitch. I think I saw Franco Escobar slip plenty of times. I got something that Panda picked out at halftime. But, you know, with all these LAFC players constantly falling over themselves, you, like the pitch was a thing. I mean, you heard, yeah. I think you heard... I think Chirundolo mentioned something about it during the press conference. Like, I know the Sharks play in San Jose, but how slippery can it be? Uh, it was it, we weren't playing in like the Sharks spot. We we're playing at PayPal Park, which is where the Quakes play. But slipping was such an issue. We finally get a shot in some trajectory of Marcinkowski in the 35th minute when Seba got a shot. Uh, 36-minute Cheecher shot out of the box with authority, but that didn't go anywhere. Uh, 40th minute scarf, really good play by Franco Escobar, blocking Jeremy Abobasi, who wound up, thought we were going to see a missile from the former Portland Timber, yeah. but nothing happened there. And 
the shot that could have been like a, a goal of the week candidate, 41st Chicho with this unbelievable turnaround banger that just hit the crossbar, oh. rattled the hell out of it. But man, was that an amazing opportunity. He absolutely left his defender on skates, going back to that hockey reference. But I mean, I don't know what the crowd reaction was. I couldn't tell, but what a freaking bomb that was. Well, it, it happened so fast too. That was the thing, right? Cheeky had his back to goal. Excuse me, uh, Chicho had his back to goal, and all of a sudden the ball's caroming off of the crossbar. Everybody, including myself, reacted after it had happened. It happened so quick; it was unreal. Uh, you know, Ibeaga picks up the yellow right after that. And I didn't love that yellow by Ibeaga. It was a very a dumb soft foul. foul. I, I, I look, I'm not going to blame Ibeaga. That was a soft foul and an absolutely lousy call by the officials. And that I'll, was I'll say this. Awful. I'll say this about that call. I, I I agree that it was soft for a yellow, but leading up to that, I really thought LAFC had gotten the majority of the calls in that first half, where San Jose was being called for a lot of different things, and I think. That was a makeup yellow by the ref. I really do. I think that was one where he thought, all right, I haven't really been giving a lot of calls San Jose's way. The the atmosphere inside the stadium, uh, let's just say the ultras have a very direct chant ref uh, uh, that is uh, related to the referee. They have a very direct chant that is uh, bleep you ref if they disagree <laughs> with something. And that was all I heard in the first half up until that yellow card where they gave the referee like a mock standing ovation after that yellow uh you know we got lucky philly that in the 42nd minute there wasn't anybody on that back post oh Uh, yeah it's it all of a sudden we kind of started to look a little porous there on the back line in the second minute of stoppage time we had another ball cross the mouth of goal again espinosa shot yeah yeah and it looked like max got a touch on it right so that was uh and and i put this in the notes again Every single attack was coming from that right side. If you're going to go back and watch the game after you listen to our podcast, make sure you check at how many attacks went from the right side, because I really felt like the majority of those did Philly. And with that at halftime, we're down one nil. Yeah, and we're, and we're lucky not to be down even more because we, we did not have a particularly good showing. We had more shots than San Jose did, but that was really it. San Jose, had uh, we had five to three on them. They had their shot on target. They controlled possession. Their passing was significantly better than LAFC. They had more corners, and as per the broadcast, San Jose, a deadly team on set pieces. We didn't see so much of it then, but, I mean, they they, they were out doing us then. The good news at halftime, though, was the announcement that we clinched the playoffs. So at least we had that going for us. And there was five scenarios in which that could have been the case. Obviously, a win or a draw on our end would have done it. Uh, Minnesota needed to lose against Austin. That didn't happen. Uh, Colorado needed to lose or draw versus Houston. That happened. And that's exactly why we ended up getting the, the, the clinching of the playoffs. It was a late game equalizer by the Dynamo. And that's why we made the playoffs going into half. But that was the only bit of good news that we would see at that point. And starting the second half scarf, something interesting that Panda pointed out, because she observes these kinds of things. Franco Escobar apparently changed his boots. And that's because he kept slipping yep. on the pitch. Yep. So if you were wondering whether or not this the slipping on the pitch, whether or not this stuff was legitimately real, you had a player, a player who slipped substantially on the field coming into the second half with a change of boots. So if that doesn't tell you something about the condition of the field, I don't know what would. 
But here, here's the issue I have, Philly. That was the only change that was made at the half. Yes. We had 45 minutes to go and not one substitution. I I get it, right? This was our third game in eight days. Everybody, I get it. Third game. It is exhausting, Scarf. I, I get it. I get it. But 45 minutes is a lot more digestible than 90. And here you are at the 45. We only have, I believe, one player on a yellow with Sebastian Ibeaga, right? That's our. That's the only player on a yellow for LAFC. <laughs> yeah, until the second half. Right. We had plenty of time to play well. And, and I have a comment about when we make our subs in a second. But no halftime changes for LAFC. I didn't love it. And it kind of came back to bite us right at the beginning of the second half in the 47th minute, a corner for San Jose, and the header goes off the bar, the crossbar, or maybe it was like the corner of the – what do you call the corner? Because it's, it's not the post and it's not the crossbar. But like, what's what the corner? I don't, I don't know what it's called. Anyways, uh, after an awful turnover, I don't know what we were doing on the back line. It was, I believe, if I remember correctly, Murillo – and uh, and maybe Escobar on that side. I have to go back and look. Maxime Cropo absolutely has to bail the back line out with a great save. Not a good save. A great save on the LAFC killer himself, Jeremy Abobasi. And Abobasi, this happened in like the 17th minute where he pounced on a ball and was 1v1. And again here in the 50th. And again in the 53rd minute. I mean, yeesh. Maxime Cropo had to put out the fire that was Jeremy Obobese several times in this match. And it's great that he did in the 53rd because Philly in the 54th, more Mahala magic. More Mahala magic indeed, but you got to give credit to Latif. He dispossessed San Jose. And I think that's essentially what started that run, if I'm not yep. mistaken. Yep. There's something magical about the Accra to Accra connection. And you had a brilliant pass from Kellen Acosta to his son. And as LAFC tweeted, it was a beautiful father-son moment. But we have Mahala getting himself lucky. Number seven, a shot ties him with Jose Cifuentes as far as being the third leading scorer on LAFC. Only one goal behind Carlos Vela. And Mahala was Awesome. I mean, it was unbelievable seeing this kid score again. His second straight game where he scored a goal and he breaks, he breaks the, uh, he equalizes the game. And it certainly is a good start to what had otherwise been an abysmal game at this point. And how about the little chip there by Mahala? It was pretty cheeky, right? Like he, he got a little chip on there. He did not get a lot on the shot, did not need a lot on the shot. It was a very well-placed chip. This kid's com. Is there any player, Philly? Is there any player on LAFC more confident than Mahala right now? I don't think so, man. I mean, he keeps tweeting, small boy, big God. I mean, the laws of attraction are something, whether you're, you believe in, you know, spirits or, or physics or whatever, like what he is giving, what he has found, like the energy, the passion, the, the hard work. I mean, there's, it shouldn't shock you at this point that this kid is continuing to succeed. Success breeds upon success, and he's done it on seven occasions this season. Mahala Opoku, I think I said it on a post-game show, uh, he's going to be one of the most valuable pieces, one of the most expensive players coming out of LAFC once we eventually sell him to an overseas club. I mean, what a unbelievable surprise. I mean, 
well, we should lobby Disney to make a a story about him right? and, his, and his rise from Accra, Ghana to, to Los Angeles and wherever else he goes. I mean, we're going to see this kid on a much bigger stage. Hopefully at this point, he's caught the eyes of his international team because he certainly deserves a shot at playing for Ghana. No, you're 100% correct. And look, if you're out there and you're just listening to Defenders of the Bank for the first time, first of all, welcome. Thank you for listening. And you're just watching LAFC maybe because you're a Gareth Bale fan or you're a Giorgio Chiellini fan or maybe you're a Carlos Vela supporter, whatever it might be. Watch this kid, number 22. He will make you fall in love with him for all the right reasons. He plays so hard. He has such heart. He has such drive. And he loves his teammates as much as he loves scoring goals. He is incredible. In the 60th minute, we had Benji Kikanovic with a yellow, uh, a set piece basically from the sideline. It was actually a pretty good ball by Kellen Acosta for the first time in the match. Uh, He almost found Ryan Hollingshead, and it was right after that play that you saw Ilya, Sifu, and Vela get up. They take off their bibs, and they're chatting with the sideline staff there. Uh, So Latif with a shot wide right in the 63rd. And I can't tell you how much I want this kid to score just so he'll stop. I really thought that was it, man. That that would have been the difference maker. If he gets this one Philly, then I think he's going to get two or three or four more, but he is trying so hard to score a goal and it's, it's too much, unfortunately. Uh, And in the 64th line change with Ryan Hollingshead, Sebastian Mendez and Latif blessing coming out for Ilya Sifu. And Carlos Vela, I mean, surely 64 minutes in. So that means 26 minutes to go. Plenty of time, plenty of time for something to go right. And I want to say this. This is what I wanted to mention, Philly, about the subs when we made them. There was a group of guys sitting right behind me in 107 who said, oh, my God, you guys just brought in Vela, Cifuentes, and Ilya Sanchez off the bench. Like, you guys are so deep. And then the very first buildup, yeah, right as they came on, JT Marchinkowski had to make his most important and best save of the night on this buildup. And I believe it was all Ilya and Sifu uh, that really contributed to this buildup. And he he tapped me on the shoulder. I turned around. He goes, they just came in the game and the game has completely changed. That wasn't me who said that. That was the San Jose supporter sitting right behind. So to me, when I mentioned that this midfield just wasn't it, what I mean again is this particular combination of three in the midfield that we use, Latif and Mendez and Kellen Acosta, should be scrapped for the rest of the season. Agreed. But man, was it refreshing just to see the the machine get back up and running on that first buildup. Yeah, I mean, we've jokingly referred to San Jose as the Smurfs. If there was ever a super Gargamel line change, I mean, that was that was it. I mean, it was a close call, a close call, but no cigar. Uh, moments after that, he had a set piece. Ilya took a shot, but it got blocked. Uh, almost had another play moments later, but then 67th minute, this is where we have a problem. We have a yellow card on Ilya for kicking Nathan's shin. Now, that yellow... Uh, was going to be caught. That yellow right there is going to be a, a game changer uh, for us a- and not in the greatest of ways. We can argue that it was a tactical foul. Uh, otherwise, Nathan would have been off to the races, but not the greatest of foul. But that sucker would come back to haunt us moments later. Yeah. And Kellen Acosta also picking up a yellow on the same play, by the way. That was uh, 
I don't know if you guys saw it on the broadcast, but apparently what happened is that Kellen kicked the ball at the San Jose player that was down. And as soon as he did it, he was like, oh, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. Went right over to the player, helped him up, you know, patted him on the head and didn't argue at all with the yellow. I think he was happy it was just a yellow with Kellen. So we got double yellows in the 67th minute. Look, Ilya picks up a yellow. Uh, Usually you don't have to worry about it too much, right? This isn't. He's this controlled. For, yeah, this isn't, for example, Tyler Lucy with Angel City, one of my favorite player for Angel City. When she picks up a yellow, you genuinely have to worry about whether she's not going to get a second yellow. It's going to be interesting. Uh, but I thought with Ilya, we're good. And just a minute later, I mean, hey, Ilya saves the saves the ball over the bar, trying to clear it away. His touch was so precise. Ilya helping out Maxime Cropo on the back line there, really saving a goal on what was a dangerous ball just one minute later. I think it was off of the set piece from uh from that yellow i mean espinosa to tommy thompson tommy thompson started to become a thorn in our side in this game oh he was he was by far their best player of the match and until a little bit later uh and then honestly we had we had some giggity subs in the 69th minute san jose took out gregush and kakanovich and here he comes uh not eric remedy although he also came in the match but kate cowell 18 years old just built like a truck and kids good Philly kids real good yeah the kids real good you mentioned remedy remedy was I'll talk about a pain in the rear a, a whiner and a crier I think Max even called him out on <laughs> there was there was a play where there was a supposed handball on Escobar shortly after the sub and yeah uh, remedies like arguing to the ref and uh, Max is just like that was a less than honest description by Remedy. <laughs> funny. Um, he would prove to be a problem. Seventy fourth minute, he actually gets a yellow card. Uh, so uh, you know yeah. we thought that that was going to that was going to shut him up. And then oh, oh Philly, by the way, also, what's up? Well, really quick, since you're in the seventy fourth minute, I do want to mention it was during the seventy fourth minute that Gareth Bale yep. took his his penny off. That's what I, I was going to say. Yep. Oh, okay, good. I just wanted to make sure. On uh, knee scarf. Yeah. That's Welsh for let's go. Uh, uh, I'll say this. <laughs> the, the stadium erupted when they saw Gareth Bale coming over. I mean, cheers, cheers, cheers from everybody. They saw Gareth Bale come over. And then the substitution gets announced and he got booed so hard. <laughs> he got booed so hard. But... Everybody cheered him until he was actually announced in the game. It was really interesting. His fifth appearance, 94 minutes of action coming into this match. How In the four games he played, did manage two goals. So we're thinking, all right, this is uh, this is it. The game is now tied. This is where we seal the deal, put the final few nails in the coffin. This is where we start to uh, have the same effort that we did against Charlotte. Sadly, though... Uh, a couple of minutes after he came into the game, we had a, a header by a Bobasi yet again, saved by Maxime Cripeau. And then um, this, this, this man child, this, this, I need to see your birth certificate player. I, you, know, you remember watching 90210 when you were a kid back in the day, like right okay. on the precipice of going from junior high into high school. And you're thinking, there's no way I, I look like, like Brandon or Dylan. These guys look way too old. That's the same story when you see Cade Cowell come into a match. This kid looks way too old for his age. I I, I got to see a birth certificate. I can't believe this young man's only 19. 18. 
Whatever. 18. He's 18? 18. All right, I stand corrected. That's even crazier. It's unbelievable to he me. He looks older than Brian kid, Rodriguez does. He, he, he looks, looks older than Chicho. You're absolutely right. I mean, and look, I, I thought with, uh, unfortunately, in the in, in the 77th minute, obviously, it's that right side again. If you watch where the buildup happens, it's on San Jose's right side. Every time they came through, it was on that right side. Tommy Thompson absolutely terrorized us. It was a great cross. But what was so amazing about the goal, Philly, is that the kid was one-timing it from before the pass even happened. He calls for the ball. He sees the run-up. He sees the build-up. He sees that he's going to be wide open in the middle, just like Kikanovich was after he got after we got beat on the right side before. It was a beautiful ball, a beautiful delivery, but I saw him call for the ball well before they got to that passing position and just a howitzer of a shot, Philly. I mean, it absolutely broke PayPal Park. People were going nuts. I had people shouting obscenities at me because I was one of the only people wearing black and gold in that section, not in like a mean or a threatening way, but they were just so overjoyed with getting a goal that could potentially give them a win against LAFC. I mean, we just got dominated for the entire rest, in my opinion, of the, the next five or six minutes, including Philly. A very unfortunate play in the 79th minute where Ilya Sanchez, normally cool-headed, who had been in the match a total of, what, 15 minutes into the match? I mean, he came in in, what, the 60... 64th, right? Yeah. And it happens in the 79th. I mean, just an awful day for Ilya Sanchez at the office. Yeah, real quick, one other thing I just want to mention about that Cade Cowell goal. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great pass by the Indiana Hoosier, Tommy Thompson, but I don't think he gets that banger had Escobar not slipped on the pitch. That is exactly how he had such a wide open look. You could argue that Escobar's presence standing, he could have jumped. He could have easily affected the trajectory of that shot. But once again, that pitch caused one of our boys to slip. And that's how you had Cade Cowell with that rocket. So let's not forget about that element of that goal. Sure, it was a fantastic banger, but he was wide open because Escobar slipped. I guess I have a question, though. He already changed his boots. We saw plenty of other LAFC players slip and not very many San Jose players slip. Why? Why were we slipping and they weren't? I don't know. I mean, we're used to like unbelievable, amazing Bermuda grass and who knows what the heck that stuff is. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't ever want to use that as a reason for anything. Well, no, of course not. Of course not. I'm just I'm just. I'm obviously like, you know, grasping for straws. No, here. I hear you. You're, but I mean, yeah, I that, that pitch wasn't very pleasant or positive. It was rather poor, if you ask me. But yeah, I mean, we were controlling the game from I from at the time we made the subs. And no, from the time Mahalo scored, we started controlling the game. But then that Cade Cal goal happens. And then two minutes later, Ilya goes out with a red card. I mean, now now, now the game changes. I mean, that tactical foul put us in a huge hole and it actually it doesn't just put us in a huge hole for this match. Yeah. We're going to Austin for yeah. arguably our toughest game for the remainder of the season without our, one of our best midfielders. So awful, awful course of event. And, and look, Sifu gets a yellow in the 86 minute, just because he wanted to make sure all the midfielders who got subbed in late in the game, got yellow cards, really frustrating. 
uh, you know, there was a little bit of a dust up, right, between Moody and Ibeaga and a couple other people in the corner there. There was a beer can and a water bottle thrown, but I'm not going to take the holier-than-thou approach of, oh, look at the San Jose supporters. They're throwing beer because, look, we've done it from our north end, too. we got to stop doing all that stuff. North end and uh, south end and the and, west and the and, east. And, and I'll say this. I saw from the opposite side of the stadium, I saw a San Jose supporter chuck a full can towards the pitch and he didn't make it. I, we, they, everybody pointed out this guy on the opposite side. You could tell he gotten he got hosed by all of his uh, all of his mates over on the opposite side. He threw the the full can. It didn't make it to the pitch. It hit a woman at, on the those field level seats in the Audi Club. There, a San oh, Jose no. supporter because she was wearing an Earthquakes jersey, drilled her right in the back of the neck. It didn't get her in the head, but it got her in the back of the neck, and she was down for a little bit. And so there is an example of a San Jose supporter throwing something at a player on the pitch and actually injuring somebody in the stands. It was, it was a really poor showing in that moment. I'm not going to take the holier than thou approach, the high road or any of that stuff, but it, it was really unfortunate. But I'll say this, Philly, in the 87th minute, after Eddie Segura comes into the match for Franco Escobar, I think we played our best football of the second half, save that one run-up, when we got everybody on for the first time, you had LAFC with a corner and a great ball from Carlos. You had Cheeky just missing Bale on the back post. You had a long pass to Bale, who almost found Carlos Vela on the opposite post. You had Bale earning a free kick. And this is all Philly between the 88th minute and the first minute of four minutes of stoppage. Was I crazy to think that with 10 men, we actually played a little more open, a little more free, and a little better for for at least six minutes or so? I mean, no, you have our players in the match. Look, Gareth Bale is Gareth Bale, world-class. So he'll be able to like feature and play well in any lineup. But you get your, your players that, you know, that have played together, a, a, a trusted lineup, guys who have seen each other and understand each other's, you know, pros and cons and qualities and whatnot. No, it's no surprise. And much like that game that happened in Houston uh, in 2018, I didn't think that we were done. I really really believe deep down that LAFC would find what they needed to find in order to tie this game. And we got close. I mean, they, they kept fighting. Unfortunately, it didn't turn out our way, but it's certainly not through like a lack of effort. Like they didn't have yeah. any shots on target uh, really within that second. They did. They had one in the second half, but they certainly clawed and they would add another five to 10 minutes, maybe even three to four or at least another set piece, I really think we would have cracked the code, at least equalized it, which at that point would have been a huge win for us, considering the fact that we played rather poorly today. Yeah, we played awful. And look, we got lucky that Jeremy Abobasi didn't find the back of the net a couple of times yep. in this match. It's We just, this what this lineup wasn't it, right? This lineup wasn't it. We fall 2-1, and we get beaten in every facet of the match. Look, I, I know that possession's not a big deal, and I know that... You know, you can even sometimes throw out passing accuracy or, you know, total passes or all this stuff. But we just didn't look good. We didn't look good for large portions of the match. And, and Philly, we managed the one shot on target all match. One. One. Yeah, I mean, we haven't had a showing like that since we played Carson in the U.S. Open Cup. I mean, that's that's not going to get it done. I mean, they... We had more shots than San Jose did at the conclusion. And we got to talk about how Chicho was within inches of getting the equalizer in injury time. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, that's sort of how it's going to end right there. I mean, unless you wanted to go minute by minute there. We got close, certainly got close. But San Jose, they had more shots on target, five to one. They controlled possession. Their passing was better. They They had more chances created than us. They had 11 corners to our five. The only statistical category other than that that we won in was we had more yellow cards than they did and more red cards than they did. Um, not a good effort. And, you know, we could talk about this. You could chalk it up to three games in eight days, but we could chalk it up to a tinkering of the lineup. I will. I mean, we're going to talk about this later, but I mean, I'm not thoroughly, I'm upset, but not thoroughly disgusted and disappointed. I can tell you that. No, look, it's, I just hope this game doesn't turn out to be one of those, like what should have been, could have been kind of things. Right. Because, uh, Philly getting the win puts them on 51 points. So now they are just six back of us with uh, what eight to play at this point. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a little tighter than it could have or should have been. Austin losing keeps them at 48. So we are still nine points clear in the West, six points clear of the supporter shield. Obviously this affects our numbers going for records and such. But you know what? If we just take care of business and we win the Texas two-step, which is coming up in Austin and in Houston, Austin, August 26th, Houston, August 31st. If we take six points deep in the heart of Texas, then it's it's all a moot point. It's over. This If we get three points, when we get three points against Austin, that's essentially a six-pointer, right? Because they would have to find another win somewhere else in these last eight matches that team is not going to be four wins better than us over the last eight matches seven matches of the season so i think we wrap up the west with a win against austin on the 26th i think that's going to be a really big thing uh and then houston on 31st is a houston team with a lot to play for they they've got you know hector herrera who as has improved the club a little bit. It's not a club that's going to fold. I think is Corey Baird healthy for Houston. I don't know. I have to look, uh, but we might be able to see our, our old friend Corey Baird. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, I'm not worried about this match. Honestly, the, the lineup was absolute crap in my opinion. And I think that the way that we played, the way that we went after it really showed that I don't know that we cared a whole ton whether we won or lost this match, to be perfectly honest. It was a little bit of a bummer. No, a bummer it was. I mean, we certainly didn't. I mean, we, there's a couple of games we could argue that we haven't really played well in. I mean, the D.C. United game, we certainly escaped. Um and yes, it is a matter of fatigue at some point coming in. Load management is a term that not many people have heard of before. Obviously, trying to manage Chiellini and Bale's minutes. Uh, I've even seen on social media people saying like, oh, it's disrespectful to us fans to not play those guys. We're the first place team. Like, give me a break. Like, what's what are you crying about? No one's going to like jump aboard that train. They'll play when they're ready. They're not going to waste their investment on a team like San Jose. Um, and, and that's the thing, right? The only other time we heard of load management before is with Greg Popovich and the San Antonio Spurs for all those years where they were leaps and bounds ahead of a lot of people in the standings and they were sitting in the point, big three. Yes. And so I think with uh, with this spot in the standings, with the place that we are right now, I think that it allows us to manage our roster a little bit more carefully in terms of being able to mix a few different lineups and see what works and see what doesn't. But I want to be clear, this lineup wasn't it. 
No, it wasn't it. And I mean, it's going to be scrapped. Uh, we're not going to see this lineup again. The boys do get uh, several days of a break, which is good. I mean, three games in, in eight days. Again, can't help but stress that. Yes, these are professional athletes. Yes, they get paid to stay in shape and run and do these things. But even professional athletes can wear and tear. And the last thing you want is for any of our guys to wear and tear, tear, tear an ACL or, or have a hamstring situation in a game that essentially doesn't freaking matter. It's San Jose, 33 points. Now 30 points behind us, 13th place with no shot in hell of anything other than getting out from the wooden spoon position. This wouldn't have been the game to give give it our all. Why? Because when we go down to Austin on Friday, that's the game to give it our all. Like you said, we have the opportunity to, to seal up the West at that point. At this rate, we're only going to, I don't want to jinx us, we're only going to be one and two. Third place team in the West Western Conference has no that's no shot at catching the top two spots. So we're going to be good one way or another, but this game, I'm glad, I'm glad it happened now. I'm glad we get our wake up call right now, because if the boys felt like they were superior or higher above anybody, this was a wake up call to lose. Again, these are professional athletes competing against professional athletes. This isn't high school domination where a team's going to blow everybody out five to one every single time they get the opportunity on any given day in this league. Anybody can turn things around and have a good game. And at the very least, we got to see a special player in that of Cade Cowell. Uh, I think it was a treat to see a player like Tommy Thompson, not only because he went to my alma mater, but another player go out there and, and do things. San Jose's got some pretty talented guys on their team. We don't win in San Jose. That's the biggest problem to me. But in the grand scheme of it all, if we win in Houston, if we win down in Austin, we win in Houston. Who gives a rat's ass about this game against San Jose? You said it earlier. This was their MLS Cup. We still yeah. have a supporter shield to clinch and an MLS Cup to win on route to go to CONCACAF Champions League. So plenty more to worry about in this season. Congrats to San Jose. Enjoy it. It's done for you. We still got business to take care of, brother. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And that business, again, continues August 26th at Austin when we take on FC Broccoli. And then again, Houston on the 31st. So two more games left in the month, Philly which means at least two more episodes. Actually, there'll be a third in between uh, the this episode here, episode 210 and episode 212, talking about Austin. Uh, we had three ma- We had three episodes in the last eight days as well. So we wanted Is that to why give- I'm so tired? <laughs> yeah, right? Um, but we do have a fourth that we're going to be dropping. Again, we talked about DJ Flick. Uh, Chris Apari sat down with us and had a wonderful time at Saturday's Football we're going to post that in a couple of days as well. Give this episode a little couple of days to breathe. And then DJ flicked in the middle of the week. And then next episode after that, of course, will be the Austin breakdown of FC Broccoli. And, and, and it's, you know, we got a little bit of time now, Philly. Got a couple of days. We've got some a bunch of fun Flex stuff. And again, a big thank you to our friends at Flex Power Tools, our newest, our only, our first sponsor that we have ever had here on the pod. So uh, a big thank you to Flex, and thank you for bringing us in to the Flex family. And with that, Philly, episode 210, I don't even know. How long have we gone on this one? I don't know, probably a lot longer than normal, so we might as well cut it off. It seems like a lot, so we're going to shut it up. You guys know how we like to end every episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.